0: Hey guys, it's Mackenzie, and this is episode five. When I started sketching out the intentions of this podcast, I wanted my friends to share their stories with you, but I wanted it to be of value. I wanted you to walk away with insight for yourself or something to share. Each episode won't ignite a flame, but maybe one day there will be something tucked away that you will find useful. Today's episode might be just that for you. My friend Ashley shared her personal health journey and her son's journey as well. I hope her story inspires you to fight for yourself and your kids. Be an advocate. Speak up. I'm proud of Ashley and the mom she has become. Enjoy her story. All right, I am sitting here today with Ashley. And Ashley, you have been teaching for how long? So, this would be my fourth year of teaching. Okay. Um, But you're my age, so you're older. Well, you're not (laughs) as old as me. So, what did you do before teaching?
1: So, for... um, It was, at that point, I think, nine years. I had been a hairstylist. And... um, teaching was always something that I wanted to do. Like in high school, I took the, you know, future teacher courses and stuff. Yeah. But, um, I got out of high school, went to college and it just wasn't for me at that time. So I wanted to do something creative. So I went to hair school and loved it. I still love doing hair. Um, it was definitely a creative outlet for me, but, um, then I decided, um, I was married at the time, and so we were thinking about starting a family, and I thought that I really wanted to go back to school. So, um, how old were you about this time? I think, like, 27 Okay, like so much older than somebody who's going to start <laughs> college. Yeah, you know, about, about 10 years older than most <laughs> of the, I call them kids yeah, in the class. Yeah, uh, I
0: get that. Okay, so you decided to go back to college or, mm-hmm. you know, to get your degree. Yeah. Did you work and go to college? How did you make that happen?
1: Yeah, so I was... Um, I had left the salon and I um, had a salon in my house. So I was still seeing all of my regular clients. So I was working and then going to school full time. I wasn't really working full time, but um, probably about part time. Yeah.
0: But after you've worked and gone to school all week, because teaching is you're working all week. Yeah. Even when you're a student. Mm hmm. You still worked on Saturday and that was a lot, right? Did you work right. on Sunday too? So Sometimes you're working yeah, you're working, Your weekends were booked. Yeah. That sounds exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you started teaching mm-hmm. after how long did you have to go? Did you go four years? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, so goodness. I actually
1: had to start over. Oh. So yeah, I did do a full four years. Um and then graduated and started working. Um, I taught third grade and I loved those. I don't want to say my favorite class, but it was my favorite class. <laughs> it like
0: sucks you in. You're like, yeah, like, this is
1: easy. Mm, I don't know about easy, but it was fun. They were the, they were the best yeah. for sure.
0: All right. So
1: you taught for how long? And then So I was I taught for that full year and then that summer I found out I was pregnant. So and then I would be due in February. So um, that second year I was still in third grade and I kind of had struggled a little bit. Um, I had high blood pressure going into my pregnancy, but it seemed to pretty pretty much like level out. And then but. I was sick basically every day. So um, I was definitely having to leave my class a lot to go to the bathroom. Um, And there was one time where I opened the door to go throw up. And my principal was standing right there. And (laughs) she could tell on my face that I was probably about to be sick. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I got this. It's okay. Oh, that's nice. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's good to feel like somebody's in your corner.
1: Yeah. So that was, everybody was really supportive. I mean, there were teachers that said, you know, text me if you need anything. Mm-hmm. So that was really nice. How was the rest of your pregnancy? Um, so, well, the sickness really was terrible the whole time. Um, and then towards the end, it was right after my baby shower, I started having some like blood pressure fluctuations and um, I had to go to the hospital And at that point, I was about three weeks before my due date. They wanted to induce me, and I was really resistant. I said, no, he needs to stay in for as long as possible. Um, So they did let me go home, but I had to continue going for appointments about every other day.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: And... Were you still teaching at this time? So I was up until that when I went to the hospital. And then they told me that if I was going to stay at home, that I didn't need to work. So okay. I had to leave a little bit early um, at that point. And it was kind of hard because that was really unplanned. Um, you know, writing long-term plans is super challenging. And I was really anxious about that. Um, And then having to leave kind of a little earlier than anticipated, you know, that makes you a little bit more anxious too. So I was kind of sad to leave them, but, you know, I knew that that's what I had to do.
0: Right. Okay, so how long were you at
1: home before Zachary came? Um, So we were there... It was about another week and a half. Oh, so not long at all. No. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so I went to an appointment, and they said, we're going to have to induce you tomorrow. That We can't prolong it anymore. So, went to the hospital the next day. Um, I was in labor at that point for like 24 hours, unmedicated. Mm. Um, And then I was finally like, look, you know, we need to do this epidural. So... (laughs) We did that and then um, overnight, I was sleeping and then I remember them coming in the room and they were checking Zachary's monitor and he was in distress. He was having some blood pressure issues and then that was affecting me also. Mm -hmm. So then they said, we need to do a C-section right now. So we went and did that, which that was my first major surgery, Um, totally not... Something that I had anticipated happening. Um, so that was really challenging. And then had Zachary. And that was amazing. So. Right.
0: so he was born February, right? Right. February 2020. You're right. Okay. All right. And he was incredible. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. so cute. Yeah. All right. Um. I'm going to kind of let you share his story mm-hmm. and talk about... I want you just to kind of tell the story. I'm going to try not to interrupt. Because I think so many things happened during that time mm-hmm. that it's better for you just to share it. Yeah. And you can tell it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to listen. Okay.
1: Um, yeah. So, when we were at the hospital, the doctor heard a heart murmur. So, um we weren't really too concerned about it. Uh, we followed up with his pediatrician, you know, a couple of days after he was born and she said that she heard it as well. So she did want to refer him to cardiology to follow up with it. And then um, she tested his bilirubin. So they always do like the heel prick and his bilirubin levels were high. So that she was concerned about that. But um, she wanted us to, you know, follow up with cardiology first, and then, you know, we would continue to test his levels to see if anything was changing within the next, you know, week or two. So um, at that point, he, you know, he was just two weeks old, maybe three weeks old. And we went to the cardiologist, and he had an echocardiogram which is like an ultrasound of the heart. And it's, it was so cute. Cause I mean, they have these like tiny little ultrasound equipment <laughs> pieces and he's only six pounds. So he's like, you know, laying in this dark, warm room on the table, you know, they're examining his heart and everything. And I just remember sitting there and it was so long, like time just kept going and going and going and I think we were probably in the room about two hours and he was just laying there perfectly Mm -hmm. you know he was just sleeping um but she kept focusing on an area a lot and I think in that moment I knew there was something because it was so long that we were in there and so then the doctor looks at the, all the imaging and he came back in and he said that he had pulmonary stenosis, which is like the narrowing of the arteries. And then he had this really rare condition called a double aortic arch, which was like two it's basically like the, the arch of the aorta wraps around. Oh my God. And so that was something that he was, you know, pretty concerned with. Um, so that was one of the issues. Then they wanted us to go to Choa to have a 3D image done of the heart so that they could really see what was going on. So we were waiting on that appointment and we go to, um, they wanted us to continue to get his blood drawn so we went back to the pediatrician and they couldn't just do a finger prick or a heel prick at that point. They had to do, you know, the actual blood draw and because they needed about five vials of blood. So the pediatrician's office, they couldn't get his blood, which, you know, it's like a terrible experience because he's like screaming and he, his arms are so little, you know, that they just couldn't get it. And so they said, okay, go across the street to the hospital and see if they can do it. So we went over there and they couldn't get his blood either. Um, So, you know, we're like, the doctor really needs this blood, but we can't get it. And so she said, so called his doctor and she said, I'm going to refer you down to Children's Healthcare of Atlanta and, you know, see if they can do it there. And, um, she said at that point, pack a bag because just depending on the results of his blood work, you guys may have to be admitted. Oh my gosh. And so then it's like that really Mm -hmm. hit hard because I'm thinking there's something really going on and I didn't know (laughs) really a whole lot. Oh my gosh. So, and like, what do you pack? I know, like, how do you know what to pack? You don't, you don't know
0: how long you're going to be there. No. Oh my gosh, okay.
1: I don't even, and I, I really can't even remember that whole mm-hmm. thing. So, we go down, and children's is such a great place for all kids to go. And I mean, they got his blood first first stick you know perfectly fine no tears they had they have this little they have these drops they're basically like sugar drops that they put in their mouth to like soothe them and it's perfectly fine so there was no issue um they got his blood and his levels were still high but they did not need to admit him so you know that was okay but then we had to follow up with hepatology which is the liver doctor and so based on the fact that his liver wasn't high functioning and he had this heart condition going on they um they said well we need to do a genetic test to see you know what's going on so we waited for the genetic test at that point he was about three months old And, um, I went in the room by myself with Zachary because COVID had started. And so they were only allowing one person in the room and I had to go in and get the results of this test. And so, um, the doctor sits down and he says, you know, I know you're not going to hear a lot of this. So I'm just going to give you the gist and give you information that you can take home. He said, but, um, the test came back that he has allergial syndrome. And I mean, I had no idea. Why? I've never even heard of that. Yeah. But I think anytime you hear the word syndrome attached to anything, you're, I, as a parent, your heart just like breaks because you don't know what to expect
0: is that connected to the heart.
1: Yeah, so it it actually is. So allergic syndrome affects all the major organ systems. So liver, kidneys, heart, skin, oh, eyes, the skin too. Yeah. Mm. skeletal system um so yeah, he he definitely had a lot going on. And so then it was just like continuous appointments and at that point um I think it was yeah it was about April and my husband at the time he had actually just lost his job because he was having to miss work for all of these appointments that we were going to for Zachary and so um I knew that I was probably gonna have to go back to work earlier than I anticipated because I was on you know, maternity leave. And so then it was about to be spring break and the school came out and said that they were gonna do digital learning once you know, they came back from spring break. And I was like, well, this is probably a good opportunity for me to go back because I can still stay at home. And so I ended up going back And I was really glad that I did because I really wanted to see my kids. Mm -hmm. And um, I was still able to, you know, stay with Zachary. So that was nice, too.
0: That is good. So you have, like, the best of both worlds. And your husband was there. Mm -hmm. So it's not like you were taking care of baby and trying to teach online. Mm -hmm. Which... For us, we didn't know what teaching online looked like because we had never done it. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of, we were all just testing the waters to see what worked. Yeah. So
1: there was, it was some definitely, a, It was definitely interesting. I learned a lot, I feel mm-hmm. like. Um, but there was also a lot going on in the background because, you know, I've got, still have all these appointments for him and, you know, there had been some things going on at home that, you know, we're just hard dealing with that too. So it was just a lot going on. And then, so over the summer then, it was nice because we were going to have a break. and um, But then Zachary started to, he was really plateauing with his weight gain. And he was already so small. I mean, that's one of the, you know, things that goes along with allergy syndrome is that the kids are typically smaller because their body just doesn't absorb fats and vitamins and, you know, things that they need. And so um, they wanted to change his formula to help him, you know, digest the fats easier. And as soon as they did that, he... Was He started refusing to drink his bottles. So he's already at risk for failure to thrive and because he's so small and not gaining weight. And then now he's not wanting to drink it at all. So they did try a couple of different things, but nothing was really working. So they um, wanted us to come down to Children's to do a nutrition study. And they were going to basically keep him there for a couple of days to see um, watch him eat, see if they could work with him on, you know, eating the formula, if they could add something to the formula. But pretty soon after we got there, um, he was placed on an NG tube. And so that tube goes through the nose, down the throat, into the stomach. And so how old he was five months old. So, so still very tiny, right?
0: Okay, yeah, and um I imagine that putting that on a tiny child it comes out mm-hmm
1: well yeah so <laughs> so, at the hospital, it was okay, um, and we didn't really anticipate leaving the hospital with an ng tube, mm-hmm. but because he still wasn't drinking um that was and he started to gain weight on the tube. That was the only way that they saw for him to be successful at that time. So before we left, they taught us how to insert, reinsert the tube because it was common for it to come out. Um, And if you didn't know how to do it, you'd have to go to the hospital every time it came out to have it reinserted. So um, once we left, I would say an average, it came out twice a day. So I was very thankful that we learned how to reinsert Mm -hmm. it, but of course that was really hard because, you know, you're having to hold down your kid and feed this tube through their nose into their stomach. And then you have the tape on their face is, you know, peeling off their skin constantly. So there's always, you know, um, irritation. And so, I mean, it was, it was really hard to do that. Was there an alarm
0: on it or did you just, like, it came out and you are like,
1: oh, it's out. Yeah. It, I mean, and it <laughs> would be. In the middle of the night, right? Oh, yeah. And it would be in a, I mean, a blink of an eye. Like, you turn mm-hmm. your head for a second and it would be out. And so that made me really anxious be, all sad. the time because yeah. I feel like I couldn't ever take my eyes off of him. Like, I just had to watch him all the time because I was so afraid that that tube was going to come out And then I would have to put it back in. And that, every time I did it, it broke my heart, which was like, I'm sure, hundreds of times. So... Oh, my goodness. All right. So, during
0: this time, you get sick. Right. Yeah,
1: I had ended up um, having gallstones. And so, I had to have surgery. And this was about a month before... Zachary went to the hospital for the NG tube. So I had surgery for gallstones. I had my gallbladder taken out. And then about two weeks after that, I started to have some really extreme pain. And I thought it was related to um, the, the gallbladder surgery. So I went back to the hospital and they admitted me to watch, you know, for a couple of days, which I was there by myself because again, COVID was going on. And so, um, that was scary and, um, felt very isolated. You didn't know what was
0: wrong with you right. when you are alone in the hospital. And you've told me before that not even the doctors and nurses came in because they were very cautious of COVID. Right. So that's, sounds terrible to me yeah (laughs) as an extrovert that sounds terrible
1: yeah even even the emergency room it was very desolate you know there was not many people um and then when I did yeah when I got admitted people were not coming in the room as much so yeah it was it was very isolated and hard because I'm also away from my baby right (laughs) your brand
0: new baby really I mean he's still tiny yeah and what happened? What was the outcome of that visit? So
1: they determined that I had um, a heart condition called vasculitis and that I even had a rare form of it. And so since then I've had to um, be treated by like cardiologists. And then I also see a rheumatologist, which they deal with like the inflammation side because basically... My pregnancy is what onset this was that um, my body internally started attacking itself because they thought something was going on, and so then it brought on all of this inflammation in my arteries, and so that kind of and put like everything you have no in over. No idea. There. No.
0: Yeah. Oh my goodness. All right, so you're going to the doctor for your appointment. Mm-hmm. You're taking Zachary still to the doctor for appointments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds wonderful. And so, yeah, not. Um, what time of the year is this? I always like to think about in perspective of the school year.
1: Yeah, so this was happening um, over the summer, which was kind of fortunate in itself, right? Um, but. You know, at the same time it was uh, it was a lot, jam-packed into a short mm-hmm. amount of time. You didn't have a break. No, no. <laughs> we actually yeah, so so uh the, the school year was about to start and you know Zachary was now on this NG tube at home and so fortunately, you know, his dad was able to stay at home with him during that time um while I was working. And honestly, I don't even know how I made it through that whole school year because, you know, it was overnight I was having to replace the tube. You have to go to all these appointments. Um, He was then having therapies and I was having to make sure that his supplies were reordered for his formula and um, every day you had to replace the the feeding bag which the formula went in so that it could go to the tube and um so it was I mean there was a lot going you were on teacher
0: by day nurse, nurse by, by night, night. <laughs>
1: exactly yeah
0: oh my word yeah that sounds like exhausting to me
1: yeah like did you sleep at all um probably very little because he had to eat overnight too so I always had to get up to fill the bag with his formula And then once it went off, which was about an hour later, then you have to flush it with water, you know, disconnect it and everything. And so, yeah, I mean, it was. And let's go back because
0: you decided to um, go to kindergarten, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is say you were with tiny baby children all day long and tiny baby at night. Because I like the upper grades because they're more mature and Mm -hmm. they can take care of themselves a little bit more than. A kindergartner. Yeah. So that sounds exhausting. And then you're going home and it's exhausting. Well, I will say
1: that um, I was very blessed with a great para-pro. I didn't have her all day, which, you know, I think that all kindergarten teachers should have a (laughs) para-pro all day. (laughs) Alert, alert. Uh, But, um, yeah, I was really blessed with her. And um, so she helped out a lot. And... Yeah, I mean, that was it was really challenging and honestly, like I said, I I don't really remember a lot of it. <laughs> but um towards I guess it was probably October, November, we went to one of Zachary's appointments and his doctor said at that point an NG tube is supposed to be a short time. So, they said that they wanted, you know, to talk about doing a G-tube, which That is a port that goes right directly into the stomach. So they have to have a small surgery to have it placed and all that. And um, so I was... How old is he right now? um,
0: I'm not good with the month thing. Yeah,
1: he (laughs) was... Me either. He was over a year? No. No, no, he was probably about, I think, nine months old at that time. Maybe eight, nine months. And No, he was over a year because that was the next year. Um, no. <laughs> Mm-mm. Because he was born in February, so this was... Right, uh, that would have been a November, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> so, they
0: said... They said, we'll, yeah, we'll get it figured out. Yeah,
1: well, you know, it all blends together after a while. And um so they wanted to do the G-tube, and I was really resistant of it. I, I just really wanted Zachary to be given a chance to learn how to eat. I I knew that if I could get him resources that he could do it because he's very resilient and he's a really strong kid. And so I knew that he could do it. I just didn't know how to do it for him, you know? So they said, well, um, we have worked with the Marcus center and they have a, feeding program that he could be a part of. There is a long waiting list, so be prepared for that. Um, And I said, okay. So I call and call and call, and I finally, um, he gets on the list in December, and they said it would probably be about three months. So the school year's going on, and now I'm like really anxious because I'm gonna have to miss part of the year again I'm thinking like I'm gonna, I'm thinking I'm going to be out in April and I'm going to miss the end of the school year and so time is ticking by April comes and I call and they said it's probably going to be another three months that you're going to have to wait to get into the program well he's still on the NG tube during all this time which is
0: supposed to be temporary
1: yeah and so it's still coming out going back in you know And, um, but we went on vacation after the school year ended. It was the first week in June. And I think it may have been the day after we got back and they called and said, we have a spot open. It's last minute. Can you start Monday?
0: And I said,
1: yes, hundred percent. Yes. (laughs) So we, um, it was an eight week program. We had to be there Monday through Friday in Atlanta from eight to three every day so we were driving all summer to that program, um, but and he was there about a month, and he didn't have to have the NG tube after That's just a awesome. month in there. Yeah. So. So what was he? He was learning to eat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they started with um, a really small, like rice size amount on a spoon, just getting him to accept. Foods and then they built it up and worked on behaviors and um, it was it was really interesting to watch. But so it was the summer and now the school year is about to start because yeah. that was like the whole summer and they want we I had to go back for pre-planning for a couple of days because we had moved out all of our stuff from the classroom at the end of the year. And I had to go back for at least two days because I was like, I have to bring the Mm -hmm. stuff to the classroom (laughs) or else these kids are going to have nothing. (laughs) And, um, so I went and did that. And then they said, we want him to stay an extra two weeks. So initially I was going to just miss the first week of school. And then it ended up being, I was going to miss, you know, three weeks. So... I'm like, okay. (laughs) It's a little bit stressful. Right. The very
0: beginning of the school year. Because at the beginning of the year, you were teaching procedures. How Mm -hmm. you want your class to be run. What you want them to do. Yeah. And you're not there. Mm Mm-hmm. That's fun. Yeah. Okay, so you stay
1: out for that extra two weeks. What is he eating by the end? Um, He was... I think he was still eating at that point, like just purees, Mm -hmm. um, but it was like 16 different foods. So he went from nothing, just formula to eating 16 different foods, which is amazing. Um, and then I did go back to work for a week and during that time, you know, he still, he needed a lot of support at home. We were Mm -hmm. still going to have to go to appointments every week for his feeding. And he had all these other appointments that he needed to go to. And the class that when I went back, I knew just from being there for a few days that I was not going to be able to give that class what they needed. They needed a lot. And be able to do Mm -hmm. for Zachary what he needed. And so I really had to make a choice at that time To put my kid first. And so I decided that that would be in his best interest. That I step away from the classroom and, you know, just fully take care of him. So Because he was going to a daycare Mm -hmm.
0: and COVID was very rampant at this time with the Omicron, right? And so that was very dangerous for him. And I know like the first week you were there within the first couple of days he was exposed and you
1: had to Mm -hmm. go home anyways. Yeah. So yeah, he was consistently getting sick. And I also felt really guilty because he had just graduated from his feeding program and he really needed the support at home. Mm -hmm. And I just felt so guilty not being there to, to give him that support and continue, have him continue to make progress. So, all right. So this
0: is about August, September, right? Mm-hmm. All right, and you're staying at home with them, and he is eating what?
1: Oh no! Well, now he eats everything. Everything, yeah. <laughs> Cheeseburgers, Cheeseburgers, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: I know. I came to his two-year-old birthday party, and he's just eating. He's going to the refrigerator, getting his own Capri Sun. <laughs> I was like, who is
1: this? Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> so it was very cool to watch him. Drink his Capri Sun. Walk over and... Th- it's been really cool to watch him grow from this baby that was struggling to survive. hmm And now he's walking around. He's playing with cars and building. And how does that make you feel as a mom? Like, you fought for your kid. Mm-hmm. I That's one thing that, like, they said G-Tube, and most parents would have been like, okay, doctor said I need a G-Tube. And you said... I don't want the D-tube in my kid. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And I mean, if that's what it came down to, you know, that's what we would do. But I just know that I I feel like everybody deserves a chance. And so he deserved a chance just like anybody else. Mm -hmm. And I felt like sometimes I think people just accept what doctors say because they're doctors. I mean, they've gone to school for, a long time and studied a lot of different things to become a specialist in one area or, you know, just a primary doctor. And so you just take their word for what it is. And sometimes I think it's okay to question it. It's okay to, you know, advocate for your kid or for even yourself, you know? All right, so what are you guys doing now? You're staying at
0: home, Mm -hmm. which is fun because you're able to It's really cool to watch you because you're, like, for his birthday, you requested, like, musical instruments and, like, all of these learning things. So, you're teaching him at home. Yeah. You bought a tube that he can open and climb through. Oh, yeah. So, he can build up his upper body strength. Mm -hmm. Like, that's been the coolest thing to watch you be that kind of mom that's, like, oh, you're going to work. You're going to (laughs) learn. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, even when we go to the playground, I I feel kind of, like, you know... A pusher sometimes because <laughs> he'll be like climbing up the steps, and I'm sure people are looking at me, and I'm like, push with your legs, push, and then, <laughs> it's boot camp, guys, <laughs> leave us alone. But I mean, <laughs> you know, with his therapies because he goes to physical therapy and occupational therapy, and so what they tell me to do, I try to do it because I it guess helped. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. totally helped, and I think having the background of you know, special education and, and regular education, you know, that, that has really helped me understand that when you intervene early, it's so much more beneficial for them in the long run. So that's so true. All right.
0: So he's eating, you're staying at home. Are you doing hair again? What?
1: Yeah. So I started doing hair, but, um, in, you know, like November, We had an appointment and, um, the, so the question of Zachary having a liver transplant has always been, Mm -hmm. you know, in the air throughout all of his appointments. Um, and so we got to the point where she said, you know, this is something that needs to be on the table now. So we had a transplant evaluation and we had to meet for two days with many different doctors and specialists and they had to basically see if he was a good case for a transplant. And so they did approve him. And so he's been on the waiting list for a liver transplant now. Um, So we're waiting for that. Um, And then trying to do, you know, some, um, ways to fund his yeah. transplant. Uh, I'm so, sure
0: that's cheap.
1: Yeah. So we're, you know, trying to come up with some different things to raise money for him. Um, So, yeah. That's where we're that, at now.
0: How much is a liver transplant? Like, <laughs> have they given you like a number?
1: <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I've looked Are it up. I'm scared to ask? I would say I've looked it up and probably like Hundred thousand dollars.
0: So, is it any day they can call you and say, Hey, Ashley, we got a liver, and you have to go? Yes, so you're you can't be a teacher right now. No, like, no, you
1: and he can't and he can't afford to get sick either. So, he can't right. go to daycare really because if he did get something that you know was because he is more susceptible with his immune system and medicines that he already takes. Um, he can't really afford to get sick at all. So we have to be pretty careful with that.
0: So we're waiting on a liver transplant. Mm -hmm. He's still growing. Mm -hmm. Um, you're working to try to make a little bit of money (laughs) for that liver transplant that will cost a lot. What, um, I always like to end,
1: is there anything else you want to say?
0: First of all, before I ask you my final question,
1: Um, I think that, you know, anybody going through a situation, especially with, you know, medical, I think that um, just having people by your side that you can talk to. I know that, you know, my mom has definitely been a major support system for me. Um, My church has really become... A major support system. I was in therapy also. And one of the things was that in the beginning, I think that I was kind of mad, um, mad at God, I think, because he gave me so much and like, why would he do this to my kid? And I think I was angry at first. And then that really transitioned to thankfulness for him being with me through it because I know that I always felt his presence throughout everything. And sometimes I tried to block it, but he just always pushes his way through. And I think that that was, um, something that he needed me to go through and he's making me, I think who I really am Mm -hmm. through all of this. So,
0: well, and I think that even now, I think you'll take your story, and I think you will become an advocate. I think you'll help parents through this. hmm Because you don't mind helping.
1: hmm No. And
0: so I think that you'll use your voice for something good, and so you'll be able to help people through this. And yeah. So, um, if there's an accessory that you need as a mama... Um, like I have a teacher bag, but obviously yours a little different. What is an accessory or a tip, something that parents who might be going through this or a similar situation might need?
1: Um, well I can say two things. So the first thing (laughs) is, which is the number one thing, um, that I think moms need is a backpack (laughs) Uh (laughs) because, uh, it is the best thing to just, Throw it on your back and not have to worry about holding something. Mm-hmm. Or so I think a backpack is. Pretty. So
0: scratch the diaper bag. No,
1: yeah, on your you don't registry. need anything with a handle. Just, just put it a on backpack. your back. Yeah, um, but the second thing, which is more important than a backpack, is definitely a support system. Um, I was really fortunate enough to have my mom with me through this whole process, but. Um, Also, like I said, the church, I found a lot of groups on um, Facebook and even through Instagram that um, have really helped me. Um, They've definitely been very supportive. They've given information. People are always willing to talk to you. And I think that um, that's been really helpful too.
0: So even though he has a rare disorder there are still other people out there and have you been able to connect with other patients?
1: Yeah. So fortunately there's a whole, um, syndrome Alliance that connects people. And so I've definitely talked to several different moms. Um, I actually met a mom that lived in Atlanta and in some crazy universe that we live in worked with my mom at one point oh and has a son that has allergy syndrome also so we've talked a couple of times um so it's been it's been really nice to have people that you can lean on and just ask questions so this is a
0: dumb question so you're on facebook and you want to look for a support group mm-hmm. do you just type in allogial syndrome yeah And then all of these groups popped up? Yeah.
1: Okay. And some things too, um, you know, when we went through the whole tube, the NG tube process too, there are groups for kids that have NG tubes. There are specific groups for kids that have G tubes. Um, You know, there's all kinds of groups for physical therapy. And Mm -hmm. so there's groups for everything. And that's something that's so important is to get, you know, collaborate with people that have something in common and... Ask questions. Don't be afraid.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Ashley, for sharing your story. Mm-hmm. Um, I love watching Zachary grow, and I love watching you be a mom. Yes. Thank you for having me. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening today. Ashley did a great job explaining Alagil syndrome. But if you're interested and you want to Google, I wanted to spell it out for you just in case. You spell Allagiel, A-L-A-G-I-L-L-E. And if you're interested in donating, being an organ donor, or donating your liver to children in need, you can look up the requirements for donating on choa.org, choa.org. Thanks, guys.